Welcome to the show. This is Recover Like a Mother. I'm so glad you're here. My name is Lane Kennedy, and this show is inspired by recovery and living a calm life. If you're missing out on living a calm life, if you're in recovery and you're looking for answers, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for being here. Now let's get into today's episode. Hi, I'm Lauren, and you are listening to Recover Like a Mother. Welcome back, my friends. How are you today? I have a very special guest with us today. Looking forward to getting into her story and having a deep conversation about meditation and mindfulness and living in long-term recovery. If you're new to the show, get in, get ready. This is going to be a treat. If you're coming back, thank you for hanging out with me and listening one more episode. I'd love for you to hit subscribe and share this with another mother who you may think need it, or maybe she doesn't need it. Maybe it's just like you just share it with her and then she'll have that aha moment. Who knows? I'm excited that you're here. Thanks for being here. And Lauren, welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here, Lane. Oh, good. So let's get into, you've been in recovery for a long time. What's your way sober date? Than, way more than half my life. June 12th, 1986. Crazy. I have a lot of sponsors I know that were born after that. Okay. 86. That's a long time. Yep. That's a lot of years. 35. I was going to say that's like 30 something years. Wow. You were like a teenager when you got sober? Yeah. No. Really? You look fabulous. Thank you. <laughs> like sobriety. But that's what sobriety does, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, we look so good. Yes. It's shocking to me, the benefits of being sober. Okay. So you have been sober longer than you ever drank for sure. Oh yeah. And your life is sober. Oh, totally. 100%. 100%. I am a product of the program. Yeah. Do you remember what it was like when you were drinking? Yeah. I totally remember what it was like. Yeah. I had, I'm one of those low bottoms. So yeah. Really? Oh yeah. Okay. Now my friends who are listening, Lauren is stunning. So to hear that she was a low bottom, I'm like, what, what does that, what does that look like? Yeah, no, I'm one of those people from like, I started out typical middle-class Jewish neighborhood on the East coast. I'm the only one in my family who's one of us and didn't know anything about any of this. And yet my bottom, which wasn't my bottom because we're survivors, but I was somebody who lived in an abandoned house in North Hollywood, sleeping on a dirt floor, having seizures, out of my mind, crazy. 83 pounds when I got sober. If you touched me, I bruised. I was paranoid. I was hallucinating. I was out of my mind. I was just crazy and I couldn't stop, but it wasn't my, that wasn't my bottom because we are survivors and wait a minute. I still had okay, wait. years to go. Yeah, what? I know. I know. And yet, and yet once I did go through rehab and, and found a solution and hope when I got hope and my life slowly, slowly, slowly turned around. I mean, here I am with, you know, I started going to college after a few years and then I, I went to good schools and, and you see me now. And I actually had somebody who just recently quit, who had, was working for me, who thought I was just so entitled and this and that. And yet I live a life totally and completely of service. And, and I kept thinking, if you knew me, like when I came in, like, if you knew like who I am and what, I, you know, he had no idea. Right. Where, where you came from. Like there's no entitlement issue here. <laughs> no, I mean, I live a life of gratitude every single day. I know mm -hmm. how lucky I am. I always tell my kids, you don't know how lucky you are. <laughs> I do the same thing. I'm constantly telling my son, do you understand the luxury that we live in, the, gra the grace that we are given here every day? Because not everybody gets to live like we do. 
Yes. There's a lot of people suffering. I'm just thinking about you on a dirt floor. I just can't even wrap my head know, around that I right know, now. I know. And I have the Jewish hair. Everything's always about the hair. That's why I love <laughs> living in LA where there's no humidity. I have a lot of hair, but yet I lived in the dirt floor and I had to always do my hair. Like, I don't know, but I wouldn't look at my own reflection with if anybody understands because I just hated who and what I had become. But mm-hmm. I would look, I would still like blow dry my hair. It was before there were all the chemical treatments and stuff like that. Like it was before, you know, like uh, things. I, so anyway. Okay. Let's, how did you get to that floor? You know, it was in 84, the Olympics were in LA and someone said, Oh, I know someplace you could live and stuff. I had nothing. I really thought it was the kind of people I was hanging out with. If I quit hanging out with the kind of people I'd been hanging out with a nice girl like me would get out of this situation. I wasn't hanging out with anybody at that point, but I knew somebody who knew someone who said, Oh yeah, this house is going to be fixed up for the Olympics, which, so it was like this dirt floor with a cot, one of those thin cot mattresses. And I mean, it was just from the outside, it looked like a nice house, but inside the front door was just boarded up. It was just held up there by boards and it was nothing. It was. Did you end up with this crew of people? There was no crew. There was no crew. (laughs) What were you doing? I'm just kind of like trying to paint the picture of like, how did you think that was a good idea? That's what I'm trying to get the mindset. Yeah, there was no, there were no good ideas. I was selling clothes on Hollywood Boulevard. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I mean, there were no good ideas left. Are you from, are you from LA? No, I'm from the DC area. I'm from Maryland. Oh my God. How did you land in LA? Yeah, I just bounced around the country. I did so many geographics. It was insane. I mean, I moved to Miami because that's where we go. Like not a good idea to go straighten up your life. And I just bounced around the country and we attract like, People, you know, we attract what we are. And thank God today I attract what I am. And I get to attract high vibrating people and fabulous people in my life. But at the time, I also attracted exactly what I was. It's so, so. shocking to me how we are so convoluted, like <laughs> delusional. Yeah, totally. Right. It's just, it's yeah. shocking to me. I, and I, that's one thing that I love about us too. Yes. And then the transformation of who you are today is so different. Totally. Somebody said from, I can't remember how he said it, from something up to blessed up. I want to like, you know, I mean, I come from nothing. Everything about me, I'm a product of the program. Mm -hmm. Every single thing about me. So Yeah, so grateful for that. When did you have your kiddo? My kids, my daughter just turned, she's turned 21, which is always so interesting to watch. Uh-huh. And my son just turned 18. So she, you my had daughter's them going into, she's going into her senior year of college and he's leaving for college, like the whole normal life. Like they do the whole normal thing. And it's so fun to watch. Of course, I started alcohol and drug testing. I'm like since they're 10, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But, and they're like such good kids. I have such good kids. I'm so lucky. Although I don't know what normal is. My daughter, she turned, I'm like, it was just the 4th of July. And I kept saying, isn't it time to come home now? Because she's home for the summer. She's, she's interning. And so she's working from home, which I love. But I kept thinking, isn't it time to come home? She goes, I'm 21. I said, but you left it too. Isn't that enough? Like, I don't know. I just don't know what normal is. And I wanted to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing when she's away at school, I do still watch and track and stuff. But you know, I don't, it's not in my face. And she said, well, then come get me. So I went and got her. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh I needed God. to go to sleep. So they never saw you drink. No, yeah, no, no, my no. my son the same. He's never seen me drink. I'm super grateful for that mm-hmm. because so often mothers 
that's, you know, they end up getting pregnant through alcoholism, right? They end up like at a bar and then they meet somebody and then they end up pregnant. And, and then a couple of years later, they end up getting sober and their kid has seen them drunk and not right. But you were sober. And I think there's a different story for those of us who have our kids in sobriety. Oh yeah. Did you want to have children? Always. I always wanted to have kids and I had, I had abortions and I was so guilty about it. And I, cause I always wanted kids and uh, I was so scared I wouldn't be able to. And I started everything late because of when I got sober and then I went to school and then I went to law school and I got my master's and I, I'm very well papered and I start my practice and got married. And anyway, by the time I have kids, you know, like, and uh, you're an older mother. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, come on. Well, I mean, I didn't have my, I, no, I didn't but have come my on. daughter until I was 40. No, <laughs> no that's I'm I, 35 years sober. What do you say? Like, yeah, no, it's, <laughs> I think that that's such a privilege to be able to have that life, right? All of the things, all the fun, the travel, the practice of travel. building your career. I didn't travel. I travel now. Like I got to travel after I had them. It's like I didn't, I started everything. Like, yeah, there wasn't a lot of that. But you... You had to have some fun in there before. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. But I also was going to school and working full time and putting myself through college. And Right. You were learning how to live. And when I was in law school, I went at night for my master's. And yeah, I mean, I was working and sponsoring lots of women and doing the deal, giving back. That's what we do. That's what we do. So when your kids came along, uh, you were, how long were you sober at that point? 10 years, 20 years? Oh my gosh. No. 86 to two, I guess 86. My daughter was born in 2000. So 14. Yeah. Was that a shocking moment to all of a sudden have babies in sobriety? It was beautiful. You loved it. Yeah. I loved it. And I never doing the deal ever, ever, ever. I've always done the whole thing. Have you told, I mean, you know, when mothers have babies and they go to the playgrounds and you have to be around other mother mothers who are drinking on the playgrounds, yeah. and the wine culture of right, mothers, right, right. Yes. right? What did you say to them when they were indulging? I don't, I don't say anything. I don't get involved. It's none of my business. I, I mean, it's so obvious. But it's not obvious, Lauren. It's not obvious. I, I see this all the time in that women and I, I work with a lot of these women, how it's not obvious. It's not obvious for them to say no because of the society and the culture. Wait, what do you, I mean, it's obvious who's indulging. Got it. Okay. That's what I mean. But it's not obvious to say, you know, I'm not drinking, right? Cause they don't even, they don't even see that you're not drinking. And I think there's a big movement right now happening of people being sober curious, people who are moving in this many pathways of recovery. And back then there was only like a handful of like one pathway, (laughs) two pathways, rehab and the big AA. And those were well known, but now mothers have so many different pathways. What do you think about that? I'm unaware. I, I actually am completely unaware. I, I kept, I've been very in the closet. I didn't tell anyone. I, was very quiet about it, except in law school. In law school, the culture was so drinking. It was insane to me, even though I would go out with everybody. I'd go to the Sunset Strip, I'd go to the clubs, I'd go with my friends, but it was insane drinking there to me, to me. 
that I thought, ah, one day they might need it. I might as well let them know in case anybody ever wants to call me. So you told your lawyer friends, but you didn't I would, tell the mothers. All students. I okay. was very, very quiet. Oh, that's so fascinating to me. I did not. I, I, I you know what? In the eighties, it was in the, you yeah. know, everyone was quiet. It wasn't yeah. talked about. And so I, yeah, like me being on here is kind of like, yeah. or my podcast, I, you'd have to kind of know. I mm -hmm. do say I went to rehab mm -hmm. in it and mm -hmm. I'm a little bit, but I'm not that open. I'm mm -hmm. not as quiet as I used to be. I try to be more open. I, I have so many friends though that like they're the head of the PTA and they told the PTA and people knew. And so it just depends on the individual. Yeah. So, Do you see change in someone when you tell them that you're sober? See, that's the thing. I always thought that I'd be judged and people wouldn't like me the same or something like that because I just grew up with it being like, I thought I'd be stigmatized. I'd rather somebody get to know me first and, and not judge me. But it's only, I mean, normies don't, don't care. They, yeah. don't, they just don't care. It's only somebody who maybe needs the program or who has a problem or who's going to care. Yeah, but normal I, people I, don't I found even out think later, about it. I, now that my kids are a little bit older, yeah. my kids told everyone, so it didn't <laughs> even matter. <laughs> Okay, that's really funny. It is. And then so and then they have friends whose parents are also sober. So and they evidently compare notes. And it's very funny now when they tell me that is funny. Do they love so, you being sober? Or do they like comment and make jokes um, about it? Probably not. I don't know. I, I doubt they love it. Yeah, my son loves it. He's always like, really. how old is he? He's 11. Yeah. Okay. That's why. Yeah. I'm my sure. kids are 18 and 21. So right now it's not I mean, did you ever take them into meetings oh yeah 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 well yeah. there was a meeting right up the street from when they were born when my nice. son was born i would wear him as a newborn and hold my daughter's hand and like they would go over and it was in the same room mm -hmm. so they know the serenity prayer they know me <laughs> yeah yeah and i'm sure they have friends or your friends have become their friends where they know Oh yeah. I don't have any family out here. So they know everyone. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. something really magical about that kind of circle that happens around a woman who brings her children into a, that program because there's an acceptance and there's a lot of love that's like thrown on the family, which is really, really beautiful to see. I remember talking to uh, someone else and the experience was that men in the program didn't approve of her bringing her kids. Yeah. Too bad. Yeah. That's what I say too. Like, <laughs> too bad. Go fly a kite over there. Cause yeah, I, the kids come This is a save your own ass. Thing. I forget that too bad. Save your own ass. That's right. So what has happened over the years where you've had to lean into your recovery? Like I know, you know, 9-11 has hit. We've had different presidents that have come about. Health, I'm sure maybe there's been health challenges, family, like what have been some of the struggles that you've had yeah. to overcome? Well, definitely my mom's passing. Her, my mom's getting sick and I had to fly back and I would go to meetings and then I would go home because my feelings would make them uncomfortable. So I wouldn't burden my family with that. So I would go to meetings, dump, and then be around my family. So definitely anything to do with family because it's not you know, I, I, I don't want to make my family uncomfortable. So how long were you sober when she passed? 11 years. Okay. 
I want to say, yeah. You leaned in. 11 years. Yeah, they, she never, my kids, she never met my kids. So that's, that's always very sad for me. Everything with getting pregnant. Oh my gosh. I mean, everything with that. Like all the in vitros and all of that. There's people that remember when I finally got pregnant. <laughs> of course, once you get pregnant, you forget all. Like somebody came back and goes, I remember when you stood up because I'd go to huge women's meetings. I always went to a lot. I've always, I always go to a lot of, and I was like, oh yeah. I, until she said that, I'd forgotten all about it. Because you don't remember, like, oh yeah, next. <laughs> like we just move on to the next thing. Did so postpartum? No. Nope. You're lucky. Yes. I'm very lucky. I, yes. But getting there, getting to get the kids. And let's see, definitely, well, it's finance and romance. Definitely, like those are our, those are our two biggies. <laughs> definitely our biggies. So divorce didn't get me, but that relationship afterwards, yeah. Oh okay, let's God. stop right there. Cause that's, I think it, divorce is really interesting and it's come up a couple of times with other episodes. Uh, I talk about it with episode with Anna and she was, she's newly sober. So how long were you sober when you went through a divorce? A long time. Okay. So you were sober a long time. So you got married I in got sobriety. Everything. Everything's in sobriety. Yeah. Okay. I so mean, then when did you realize like, uh, this isn't working anymore? My son was six months old, maybe. Oh my yeah. God. That's yeah. like <laughs> they have no memory of me. Mm. He gave me full custody of both kids so that, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I ra I raised them. So were you single momming for a while? Oh, the whole, yeah. I've been single momming until, <laughs> yeah. That was incredible. Me. So, um, so that, yeah. So that, I, that's when you have to lean into your program and really stick with the ladies. And but I never wanted to be divorced mm. ever. So, but then when he moved out, it's like the house was happy, which wasn't even in my realm of thinking. So it shows our limited thinking. Okay. But wait, you said something really interesting right there. You said, I never wanted to get divorced. So what was it that made you like? Yeah, but I was, I was so miserable married. I was just so miserable married. Did you, so, did it pull you away from your program, your life, your marriage? No, it didn't. No, no, no. He would yell at me for going to meetings and uh, yell at okay. me. he just didn't watch the kids. It wasn't. Yeah. I was so lonely when mm. I was married. Mm -hmm. Somebody actually said to me the loneliest they ever was they ever had been in their life was married. And I was so lonely in that marriage. Yeah. I would say, please just talk to me five minutes a day. It was just pathetic. And this, I've heard this before, and this is not even about like sober women, but women in marriages, I've heard a lot of this kind of loneliness that happens. And especially, you know, last year in the pandemic, you know, being cooped up in a house with your partner and still feeling isolated and alone. And it's a hard place to be in. And so you were there and then you made that decision to get a divorce. Was that an easy decision or did you struggle with that well, because you didn't? I don't, I don't think it's ever an easy decision for someone to make, especially with two little kids, mm -hmm. little, little kids. But he said, okay. And he moved out and he gave me full custody and we had an easy divorce in that sense. And yeah. so Divorce is one of those topics that can be really challenging and I'm so glad it's, it's refreshing to hear that it was easy for you. So, so that was a challenge uh, your mother, anything recent that's happened. Well, what brought about my podcast, I went through a tough time financially. My practice was thriving, but I didn't have money coming in. And it was, I didn't want to talk about it because it seemed like such a quality problem. But for a while, I didn't know how I was going to feed my kids. And I had to pay my employees. I had to pay everyone. And it was 
bad. It was really bad. And I didn't have any secrets. I had, you know, I mean, I made sure my best friend and, and so on, I knew what was going on, but it wasn't something I was talking about because again, I know it's a quality problem, but it was real. It was really real. I had no idea how I was going to take care of my kids. And I was so scared. And it was like, it was bad. I I just can't keep saying this. Like, so what did you do? I mean, what did you do, Lauren? What I did, I went to what actually happened. I went to, I have this spin class I'd go to. Okay. Spinning like on the bike. My favorite thing to do. (laughs) Yes. So, okay. So my favorite teacher is Angela and she like Oprah took her on the road for a while. And, um, like, and she's so motivational and it would be in the dark. She, and I had a bunch of bikes left in the Keck QUE QUE, however you say that word. And anyway, and I was in the dark and she's doing her Angela thing and I'm riding and I'm crying. And she said, I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but somebody needs to hear this. I don't even know what she said and I'm crying, but something in me shifted and I knew I'd be okay. I I don't, I like, I can't even tell you what it was, but I knew I'd be okay. And, and of course I was like, if we just suit up and show up every day, everything works out. It just does. It always does. I have 35 years of experience one day at a time that it does. And of course the bills got paid and my kids are fed and like, it's okay, but it was like really hard. And two employees quit. I got sued, even though I was making minimum payments. And this one vendor I will never use again. I was horrified. I thought I'm going to be disbarred. I didn't know what happened actually when you're being sued like that. Like I'm so my ethics and like things like that. I, it was just horrifying to me. And they now come back going, how come you won't use us? I'm like, anyway, like really? And I had no one to turn to. I really didn't. And anyway, I got through that and I was like, what the hell was that? Like, you know, once I got through mm-hmm. and I was like, all right, so we get through these things and then what we live life and we're like, oh yeah. And then we get through another and then what we get old and we die. Like I seriously, like that's where I was <laughs> like, why are we here? I don't understand why or we're, what is life? I, I just kind of got to that place and I decided to do a project for me, just a personal quest of why are we here? They say nobody on their deathbed ever wished they lived longer or made more money. So I decided to do a project, not that I'm a DIY or a project type of a person, I'm very busy, but I was decided to interview a person a week for a year of why are we here? An older demographic, but just asking that question. And I started doing that and people would divulge the most personal information to me. It was unbelievable what they would tell me. And I am not a shrink, but they would just tell me the most personal information. And I would go home and I would write it up in my verbiage for me. And I would send it to my best friend and it would have a bit of a humorous slant because that's how I write. And after a while, there were common themes. And it was so good and so rich and so meaningful. I thought, this is going to, I'm going to make this into a book, like 52 weeks of hope. And one of those books where you open up and you go, oh my God, that's just what I needed to hear. Or you close it and then you open it again and go, that's what I needed to hear. Like one of those kinds of things. And then COVID hit. So I decided to pivot and do a podcast. And so that's how my podcast, 52 Weeks of Hope, started. And I have a website where I have some of the chapters are on there. And I just love doing this. It is, it fills me up. And I got through that hard time. And it, 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 it's not program related. I mean, I guess 
I mean, of course, I turn to the program and I, of course, work with others to get out of self and keep going. But it's something else and it's deep, it's meaningful. I talk to so many amazing leaders and religious leaders of all walks of faith and healers and it's just been an amazing experience. So I turned to the program, but I also have broadened my horizons, so to speak, and uh, my meditation techniques and just everything. I'm just dropping in right here to remind you that you deserve to live an epic and amazing life. And if you're not, I want to be the one to support you in overcoming your burnout, eliminating your perfectionism, and any of those ruminating thoughts that keep you away from the life that you want to be living. Check out my eight-week program, Mindful Safeguard, over at recoverlikeamother.com forward slash mindful. Thanks again for listening, and let's get back into the episode. You know what happened as you were speaking? Your whole, your whole presence changed, right? So you were talking about the divorce for a minute, and you're kind of like, ah. and then this like, energy shifted in you. And you were talking about Angela and you don't even know what she said. You're like just in that moment with her. And that is a pure state of flow. And when we reach that flow state, we can have those shifts of perception. This is one of the things that I teach my clients is that you've got to get into that state. And that's, that's what I heard just happened for you. And as a result of that, you birth this beautiful project, which is now becoming your passion, your livelihood, your thing that makes me, I get, I get so fired up about that because in recovery, what I, what I've discovered is that we go through these peaks and valleys, you know, sometimes we're really high and then sometimes we're really low. And then we go for a long stretch on the desert and then we have that magical, mystical awakening. And we have a lot of those awakenings. And when you're in the 52 weeks of hope and you're having those conversation, what is one thing that keeps you fired up to stay in it. I mean, it's certainly not difficult, but hearing what other people's messages of what they do to keep going, how they got through their toughest challenges and to hear what, how they help others. I mean, it's just so, it's so great. And to hear what other people's communities are, I know what ours is and I know Mm -hmm. how lucky we are. I mean, we've got this. Yeah, We've got this. This is the number one message I got, by the way, is community. It's how people in the blue zones live the longest anyway, and the healthiest. I mean, I want to live healthy. It's, it's how we get to look like we do and how we get to be like that. So true. Oh, true. Service and community. That is the answer. It is. Longevity. It's love, yeah. It's everything's about having community. We mm-hmm. don't get to like, God doesn't drive parked cars. We can't sit in a corner hoping like, I want this. You got, it's action. We have to do something. And I never want to go and help someone else, but I always feel better after always a hundred percent of the time. That's so spot on. I always feel better after I've picked up the phone, after I've driven across town in traffic yeah, every single time. Yeah. Yeah. I try to share that with my son as much as possible. And sometimes he's like, Oh, here we go again. (laughs) Here we go again. Your meditation. So I want to hear what your practice looks like. I'd love for you to share because some of our listeners are, you know, one year, five years sober and through my many years of recovery, I've had to change my practice. So I'd love to hear your journey with that. 
Well, I mean, I started to it kind of late too. And you know what? It's okay. And I gave myself permission during the pandemic, five minutes, first thing in the morning, fine, fine. And first thing before looking at the phone, doing it first thing in the morning, five to 10 minutes is just to get centered. Even if it's just a couple minutes to take that pause, because God's in the pause. God is always in the pause. Um, Whatever you call your higher power. I mean, I don't care what the energy of life. I I mean, whatever. So my meditation practice ebbs and flows, but it's constant. It it just has to be, I have to connect. When I had kids, when I first had kids that I I just talked about this uh, within the last couple of days that it shocked me that I did not have time. (laughs) It's so hard. It's just so hard, especially when they're really, really, really little and you've got more than one, like it's hard. I'm not going to lie, but still one or two minutes, if you can do that, like you you will be amazed yeah. just having that connection. Yeah. And one in two minutes that, that can change everything that changes yeah. the neurochemistry of your brain right there. Just one or two minutes. Yeah, it does. And unplug meditation, that app. I am, I just love that app. There's um, so many apps these days, which is really yeah. phenomenal. I mean, the app market went up like 350%, which is nutso. I guess I'm in the right business. That's that's good news for for once. You talk a lot about being of service, and I would love to hear one thing. You know, you're of service. You're of service. You're of service. What's something that gets under your skin about service? Gets under my skin about it when I don't think there's anything that gets under my skin about. It. I mean, I never want to do it. That, that's. But, <laughs> I but, but you do it anyway. That doesn't matter. That's that. That's all I wanted to hear you say. I mean, <laughs> you know, like, are you kidding? Like, but you do it anyway. Who you cares? do it anyway. It's so true. It's like oh, the idea of service. Oh, uh, I don't can you do speak it. today? I mean, last week is like, oh, our, we're doing our first hybrid meeting. Can you come be in person? And mm-hmm. then, like, like, oh, fr- Friday night. Like, I like yes. Mm-hmm. My sponsor used to say, do what you need to do to keep your strength up. When my kids are little, well, they're not little anymore, and they weren't like, oh, we want to hang with you Friday night. No. They, they go out Friday night. Like, no, I say yes. Yeah. And then I said, honey, I'll see you in an hour. Well, plus traffic, but yeah, no, I show up. I mean, that would be really bad karma. Like, no, I'm not doing that. It's so great today in your life with 35 years, you're, you're living this life of freedom. And with that, you uh, have the ability to do what you want. And so what you said before we got on is that you're going to be changing some things up in your life. Yep. So I'd love to hear what you're going to be changing up if you want to share. Yeah. Well, I'm getting married August 1st. Which is amazing. Finally, Congratulations. Finally. We're finally. finally is is he sober? Is he in recovery as well? No, he didn't even know about it. Yeah. Okay. That's why I love that. <laughs> he had no um, idea. Now he does all of it. He, he yeah. he'll be like, no, I'm a normie. Uh-huh. He says it funny. Uh-huh. Um, he's such a normie. He like draws within the lines. He yeah. drives speed limit. Yeah. My like, husband too. Yep. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. Like, and you want to stir it up just because. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And uh, no, we're taking a three week honeymoon. So Where are you going? Greece. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Nice. It's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I'm not even, it's better than you can even imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just kind of leave it like But this that. is, but this is what we are it afforded, is. right? Like yeah, these, absolutely. this is what absolutely. comes our way as a result. I've done the work. I've yes. done the work. I've yes. done so much work. Yeah. Okay. I'll just say we're doing a private yacht of just us. Yes. <laughs> people driving. We're not driving the boat. Oh my God. So yeah. 
and then Santorini and, you know, Mykonos, of course. And Nice. Yeah. But so. that's what you get to do as a result Absolutely. of staying sober, right? Like, so you, you were on that floor 35 years ago, mm-hmm. there was no vision of a yacht or a Mr. Nice guy. Right. And you've done the work. And when you talk about doing the work, what does that look like for you? That's going to meetings, sponsoring other ladies. Yeah, but it's also working on doing the steps on past relationships and doing a lot of work on past relationships. So that I can call in somebody as fabulous as Scott. So yeah. So that's kind of that manifesting, like you can pull them in to your yeah. world. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. really totally. powerful. Can, yeah. We get to have any, I was told 35 years ago, I can do or be anything I want, anything at all. The sky's the limit. Yep. As long as I don't drink and use one day at a time and that I'm of service. Yeah. I was told that easy, same thing. Yeah. It's an easy formula. And it works. Yeah. I'm always baffled at when I hear, oh, it's not working. How's that possible? It's not working. It it's working. It's working. What are you reading? What's on your bookshelf these days? Oh my gosh. I have so many books because I just downloaded a whole, whole bunch of them. But my son, my son went on this reading spree because he didn't get to do senior year of high school. So oh. he said I had to, I started reading American Dirt because he said it was the best first chapter he's ever read in his whole life. Wow. And I read the first two chapters and it was so intense. It gave me anxiety. So I stopped and he's making me, he's like, no, no, you have to keep reading. So I'm going to, I'm going to finish it. But then I read, wait, wait, I have to look. Oh my gosh. I just read really quick. Oh, I have to go on my Kindle app. Sorry. I, I just finished two books, which I haven't had time to read anything, but you're catching me at a good time because I just read, oh, Pachinko finally. Oh my God. It's so good. I feel like I'm a member of the their family. And, and then I read, which is a much lighter read. Ah, how did I not? The Midnight Library. What's much, that about? That sounds good. Much, yeah, it's, it, oh, it's very, very interesting. Okay. Somebody who didn't like their life goes to this in-between place called <gasps> the Midnight Library. I'm in on that and one. And gets to go back. It's, you know what? It's perfect for us. Yeah. And you want your kids to read it. <laughs> okay. That's the upshot. Because really, like, yeah. Midnight okay. Library. It's an easy, quick read. but The Midnight Library, ladies. That's yeah, on the list. I'll put a link in the show you know notes. What? Yeah. It's because she's, she's just not liking her life and she's ready to end it. And, you know, she ends up at the Midnight Library and everything changes. goes back to where she made those wrong decisions and gets mm-hmm. to change it. Yeah, Make change. Kinda. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the journey of recovery. We get to change things. We get to right our wrongs. We get to live in the freedom. And that's what I hear with you. I'm excited about your 52 weeks of hope. I'm going to send our listeners over there to listen to your show and hear the hope. Where else can they find you? Yeah, everything's on. I was about to say, everything's on the website, 52weeksofhope.com. It's the number 52. There's also a free ebook if you're having trouble trying to figure anything out of how to live your best life now. It's super simple. There you go. So, wow. Lauren, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your 35 years of recovery with us. And thank you most importantly for being a mother in recovery. I appreciate you. Yeah. Thanks, Lane. Thanks for having me. Well, mama, that is another episode in the bag. I hope you enjoyed it. May you find something bright, something light, and something so delicious that fills you up so you can be the best mother I know you can be. Until next time, take good care. Bye for now. Hey, are you trying to overcome burnout. So many people are, you're not alone. And maybe you have perfectionism running through you and ruminating thoughts of how to do something. Maybe you avoid things. I don't know. 
It gets tricky the longer that we are in recovery. The good news is that I help women in recovery access the life they imagined through a practice of mindfulness. I have an eight-week program, eight weeks. That's what it takes to change your life around where you can start living and thriving in your life, the life that you got sober for. If you're burnt out in your recovery and you need a tune-up, you want to try something else, check out the Mindful Safeguard. You can find out more information over at Recover Like a Mother. Get on the wait list. It's an eight-week program. It opens and closes, and I would love to have you participate because I know that you didn't get sober just to live in mediocrity. No, you got sober to live a life beyond your wildest dreams. All right. I hope to see you in there. Thanks again for listening to the show.